Welcome to the inner world of filmmaking. I'm your host, Tammy McGarrow. I'm an editor, podcaster, and still photographer. In this show, I will interview filmmakers in all facets of production and distribution. In this episode, we explore the inner world of the music composer. I'm excited to introduce Chris Edgar, who is a composer, songwriter, and producer. He has scored award-winning films, including The Breakout, a rock opera, Steve's Quest, the musical, Ghost in the Gun, and his most recent project, Playing with Beethoven. Welcome, Chris. So happy to have you on the show today. Thanks so much for having me. So I would like to start with, when did you start composing and songwriting and realize this is what I want to do? Well, I wrote my first song lyrics when I was 11 or 12, and I'm pretty sure that the reason I did that was because I wanted to imitate Neil Peart, the uh, the late drummer from Rush, uh, who also wrote all of the song lyrics for the band. And because Neil did that, well, it was obvious that I should be the drummer slash lyricist too. And, and so, to, so to back up a little bit, I, I um, was playing in progressive rock style bands, like sort of Rush influenced bands uh, with my brother since probably age 12 or 13. Uh, so that's where I did my first songwriting. And then from that point on, it seemed just obvious to me that that's what I should do. Um, I, I don't think I questioned it at all, uh, maybe until my 20s. So how many instruments do you play? I started out with drums um, at, yeah, really on the age, probably three or four. Uh, my parents noticed me banging on pots and pans while they had some classical music on in the background. And they uh, just decided that I ought to do something productive with that <laughs> urge to bang on things. So uh, they got me a snare drum with Goofy on the drum head, like a Disney-themed snare drum. <laughs> and uh, then I gradually accumulated more drums until I had a drum kit, and then I started playing you know, drums and percussion. I started taking some piano lessons when I was 12 years old and really got into playing keyboard, well, partly because I realized that if I wanted to write you know, the musical aspect of songs and I wanted to write the melodic aspects of songs, I had to be able to play a melodic instrument. Uh, and I also uh, learned some guitar too. And so that's mainly what I play on the scores and the songs that I do now is these drums and, and keyboard and guitar. So from there, I mean, then what brought you into film? Uh, I had a friend named Wes who uh, had a short film that he had just shot. And uh, actually, he had seen a music video for the first song that I had done as a solo artist, um, just like a pop song. And uh, he saw that and he thought it might be a good idea for me to score his short film. And of course, little did he know that scoring a film and writing a pop song are very different animals. But I'm glad that he didn't know that because I had such a good time you know, giving myself a crash course in film scoring and doing the project. Uh, then there are some other people, some of whom were Wes's friends. They saw the film and they said that they wanted to work with me too. And then gradually I started to actually get paid to do it because these initial projects that I was doing were all and uh, yeah, I guess it, it, it snowballed from there. So I was curious because um, as we start doing something and then to now, years later, how did you go into um, what you did on the first film to now and what have you learned from the process that you would do differently now than you did when you were on the project? Well, yeah, I mean, in, in, that, in that initial film that I did, uh, me and Wes needed to do a lot of communication, uh, and I needed to do a lot of revision to the score that I was writing for him. I mean, probably just because of inexperience doing it, but also because I think I didn't understand how important it was 
to get a very clear picture even before I start writing any music that's going to be sent to the director. What exactly they're looking for as far as emotional tone and so on. And even to the point of having them send me a YouTube video with a piece of music from a film that they really like, you know, that they think would be appropriate for a given moment, because that's usually what's going on with the director. They think, oh yeah, I saw this other movie and I want this scene, I want the music in this scene to sound like that. Initially, I was kind of, I, I, it didn't occur to me to do that, or maybe I even resisted doing that a little bit because I thought, well, I don't want to just copy somebody else's music, right? Right. But what, what I've come to realize is that if I listen to someone else's piece, even if I try to duplicate it or duplicate the sort of feel or the gestalt of it, um, it's still going to sound original because no two music composers are going to do things the same way. Right. Uh, so now I have no problem. They just, just send me send me a YouTube video and I'm going to try my best to imitate it. And it, it's going to end up sounding like something completely different, but that, that will be okay. I love it. Um, okay, so why don't we walk through a project, okay? Um, so let's walk through working with a client and how you start the project. And in particular, we can start talking about uh, working with the wonderful Jen Page on playing with Beethoven. So how did you, why don't we walk through uh, you getting involved? How did you get onto the project? And then how did you work with uh, Jen, the director, with the music? Oh, yeah. Well, as far as Jen goes, I met her back in 2015. Um, I had a project that I had briefly presented on stage. It was a musical called The Breakout. Um, and you mentioned it earlier in my bio. Um, and people were telling me when I was asking around about, you know, who might be able to direct a film version of this? Uh, I kept hearing, you know, you know, oh, you want to work with Jen Page. This is what she wants to do. She wants to work on you know, musical, uh, sort of musical theater like projects on camera. So I met with her, and she was really passionate about it, uh, which is you know the way that she gets about a project that she's yes. really into. Yeah, we ended up working together on. I, I didn't even know how many projects we worked on at this point. And actually, that's that's a good jumping off point for you know advice that I would give people who are trying to get into music composing try to forge a long-term relationship with a particular director. Uh, obviously, you know, you need to do a few projects at the outset to try to build up trust. But if you can get that, if you can consistently work with someone and you understand how each other communicates and so on, then it becomes so much more smooth and, and easy than kind of bouncing around between different projects, even though, of course, at the you know, early on in your career, you're inevitably going to end up doing that. Uh, but anyway, uh, you, you were asking me about the, the process. Yes. Um, so... Normally, I'll come on uh, to a project shortly after it's been shot, and an editor has put together a rough cut of the film. In in the case of the breakout, it was very different, and playing with Beethoven and some of the other stuff I've done with Jen, because I was actually on set. I bet that was wonderful. Well, yes. Um, I mean, it, it, it was in a project like playing with Beethoven. It was stressful because we were actually recording the music live on set. Okay. Um, with the breakout, it was just uh, it was it was lip syncing. Um, the actors were lip syncing along with music and songs that we had previously recorded. Um, and I was sort of running, I was running the playback on set, but it was a great opportunity. I, I, yeah, I got to hang out with the cast. I tried, I tried not to give them any notes, even though I was the writer of the musical and you know, I tried to let, you know, Jen do that. Yeah. I mean, when, when they would have some kind of question about the script, then I was actually accessible there on set. So it was very different from the typical music composer thing where you just get a rough cut of a project. And and uh, you're, you meet with the director. Um, I, I can talk about how that normally works because I've, I've done a lot of projects of that nature as well. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the other thing I was going to say is on musicals, are you on set more because of musicals? 
in all of the musical theatery type productions that I've done, uh, that is sort of the, uh, the movie musical type things that I've done, I have been on set. Yeah, we, there are some musical theatery moments in playing with Beethoven. There's a, sort of a um, uh, the way you wear your hat, or you know, classic uh, Frank Sinatra style duet between two of the characters that happens. Um, and of course, the breakout is fully musical. And I have another project called Danny in the Darkness, that, um, where we film some vignettes from that, and I got to be on set for that. Uh, that was pretty awesome. And it's a great way to make contacts too, since as most music composers are typically kind of trapped in their studio, which tends to be in their house as well. Like my home studio here, for instance, it may be a good environment for creativity um, and sort of exploration when you're by yourself, but it's not a great environment for networking and building up relationships. Yeah. But yes, I, I, I was on set for all of the musical theatery style things I do. And hopefully I'll get that opportunity with, with the next project that I do, which is also going to be kind of musical theatery. Now, do you enjoy that um, more than just composing for non-musical films, or do you think there are different challenges? And um, I really love writing both songs and instrumental underscore. I was surprised at how much I liked writing underscore. I was telling you about that first project that I did, which was this sort of sci-fi slash western. Initially, I thought, well, do I have any kind of affinity for this? Like, am I gonna have I gonna have any idea of what I'm doing? And then I realized. Oh no! This is kind of like the uh, the progressive rock I used to listen to as a kid. Like it, sure. it sort of came full circle with it. Like a band like Yes, they would take a particular melody and then they would present it in a bunch of different time signatures and uh, tempos and keys and so forth, just like a a classical composer would. And you get to do that in the context of film, where you have motif or a melody that's devoted to a particular character. Then you can present it in all kinds of different ways, depending on. The, the situations and the conflicts that the character finds himself in. Can you talk us through when you first get on the project? How? What questions do you ask the director for the feel? When you're watching the cut, do you do you read the script? What's your process? I'll watch the rough cut a bunch of different times, and then I'll meet with the director typically to do what's called a spotting session. So we'll sit down and we'll talk about which moments of the film should contain music, where there should be a cue or, or a discrete piece of music, um, and what kind of emotion we want to convey uh, with each cue. Uh, we'll also talk about whether the director wants the characters or the main characters usually to have specific motifs or melodies that are associated with them, which is definitely a way that I like to work, uh, particularly when I'm doing a feature film. Depending on what the director and I agree on, I may come back later on sort of a series of motifs for the characters. Uh, and, and that may not be tied to any particular scene to give the director a sense of the kind of melodies that I'm planning to use. Um, and that can be important to give some context and to make sure that we're on the same page. Or I may just start writing pieces of music. Um, personally, I prefer to start at the beginning of the movie. Everyone has a different process. I guess I like to follow that sort of linear approach. Once I have the motifs for the characters in mind, I'll usually start out with the motif for the character we're seeing on the screen right at the beginning. Yeah, I'll, I'll start passing them along to the director one by one as I finish the cues. It's important to me so I can get some sort of sense of whether I'm on the right track. It really is this ongoing process of communication to make sure that I'm expressing the director's vision and the, the, the emotional tone that they want each scene to have. If I get feedback on one cue that I've done, that's going to guide my approach to all of the rest of the film, uh, and it's going to make both of our jobs easier. Now, what program do you use? 
when you're editing? As far as the DAW or digital audio workstation? Yes. I usually use Cubase, although I've done some work in Pro Tools. Um, Pro Tools I've used on a couple of occasions when I'm recording vocal audio because I like to have at least one song that I contribute to the film. Maybe if I can, if I can get that past the director, if I can get that past the production team. But if I'm doing instrumental underscore, I think that what gives me the most flexibility, and I think what's really now become the industry standard is, is Cubase. Although I, I do know composers who work in, in all kinds of different software and they, they have success with it. So then um, they export the film and then you put it into the your timeline okay. so that you're matching it. Um, so I'm curious, like the flow of, okay, so you're watching the film and then are you noting somewhere or do you mark in the timeline saying, okay, I think uh, cu uh, something musical or, you know, music driven could be here here, here, or is it more that the director says, okay, here's my, you know, kind of breakdown and this is where I want music to go. How does that work? Um, before I go into the spotting session that I was talking about, I usually do have my own, you know, uh, relatively clear ideas about where cues, where pieces of music should begin and end and the kind of emotions that they should express, the, the sort of sound that they'll have. Uh, I may end up uh, hearing something completely different from what I originally thought of in the eventual meeting that I have with the director, it, it it does allow me to sort of advocate for what I think is going to be the best musical choices, and is to to do my own sort of um, to make my own markers. And yeah, I will, and and I will do that within the timeline within Cubase. I'll mark on the timeline what I think that cues should begin and end, and I may, and I'll have a lot of other notes about uh, what I think the tempo should be. Because often as a composer or something, yeah, a lot of composers try to do anyway, they try to hit the cut. So they'll try to have um, a piece of music begin or end on a particular cut in the edit, or they'll have it decrease or increase in intensity and uh, or, or hit some sort of new musical beat when we have a cut in the film. That's something that I typically try to plan for as well when I'm making my notes on the time. Now, do you ever get directors that don't really know what they want? And then how do you grab inspiration to go, okay, I'm kind of on my own here and I'm going to, and then what's your flow kind of like, because this is very creative. I yeah. Mean... <laughs> yeah. And you know, I've never worked with a director who has been a musician themselves or a composer themselves. Um, but actually, I think that that's I think that's kind of a good thing because I wouldn't want to be you know having these arguments with the directors where we, they sort of nickel and dime me over what the, well I'd like the tempo to be a couple of, you know, fewer BPM or something like that here or right I, I want to use the key of D minor uh, yeah I actually kind of appreciate when they're talking to me in sort of big terms about the emotion that they want to express I mean I guess it, it it's possible for the language that they use to be too vague like recently I was asked to do something with a beat. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, and so, okay. yeah, in that, in that case, I'm going to ask, well, maybe we could be a little bit more specific. Even if you can't, you don't feel like you can necessarily express in words what you want. Maybe you could send me the, the piece of music that you imagine when you think of something with a beat. And then inevitably, they, they'll be able to appoint to a very specific YouTube video or, or you know, a track on Spotify or something like that, that does have a beat in their view. And then I'll say, oh, okay, that's what you want. All right, I, I can do that. Verbally expressing what they want. Uh, so I want it to be, you know, really big here, or I want it to be, I want to have this theme of, of desire for vengeance or something like that, but then also uh, giving me as much guidance as possible as far as 
the sound of the piece of music, even by reference to other pieces of music that have existed in the past, and even from films that are very well known, like even if it's something by John Williams. Because, yeah, like I was saying, even if I tried to sound like John Williams, even if I made a specific effort to do that, it would end up not sounding like John Williams at all and probably right. just sound uniquely like me. So I'm not even worried about the prospect of sounding too much like John Williams at this point. I, I, I welcome, uh, you know, Star Wars cues or something like that. Right. Uh, even if they've been uh, massively overplayed. Now, do directors come in and sit in with you? Oh, while while I'm working, usually I'm by myself when I'm working, um, mm -hmm. unless I'm working with uh, someone else who's involved in the music process. Maybe the, uh, the like an editor, uh, you know, music editor, or I'm working with an instrumentalist, which is my favorite thing to do to um, work with live players, uh, yeah. other than myself. But usually the director is um, is not there. Uh, during the actual writing and recording process, but they are well, they're they're in my ear all the time, uh, giving me notes on the draft cues that I send them. Uh, I'll from within, you know, Cubase or whatever uh, DAW I'm using, I'll I'll render a video of the scene with uh -huh. the rough sound that I've been given and with the cue under it. So I'll need to do kind of a, a sound mix as well, right. uh, and uh, I'll send that along to the director. And that'll be a lot more useful to them than just sending them a sound file. And that, yeah, that that's usually the best way to get, I think, productive notes that I've that I've experienced. How do you get the projects? Are do you do, is it now word of mouth or? Uh, yeah, I I think for the most part that is how I get projects. I mean, I've worked on, like I was saying, it's very important to build long term relationships. Yes. Um, someone like Jan, you know, I I worked with on for just innumerable times. It's rare that I've just met someone at a networking event and then ended up working on their project because, I mean, particularly if we're talking about something like a feature film, that's a big commitment. And uh, yes. even if you have this really impressive reel or something like that, that doesn't mean that you know how the working relationship is going to go. Uh, so yeah, it does take a certain amount of building trust. I think um, starting out, I mean, if, we were, if, we were, if I were talking to a composer who was starting out, I would advise looking for people who are looking for someone to work on their short. Um, it could be your friends. Maybe you have friends who want to make a short. They want to send that out to a limited you know, film festival run. That's a great. I, that's a great thing. Um, but just to get experience doing this kind of work, uh, building up a reel, but not just building up the reel, building up a network. Because if if your friend likes your work, then your friend could refer you to another friend who's right. making a film. Um, and so yeah, that's the most solid network is building up a bunch of people, uh, starting with people with whom you have a personal relationship who can make those kind of referrals. Uh, because it's not, I mean, it, it doesn't work like, you know, applying for a typical job where you just present a resume and you, maybe you present your, your portfolio or your reel. Um, that by itself, I think, doesn't differentiate you as much as having uh, a personal contact and having that sort of personal trust. Uh, with a solid group of people that you work with. So how do you find your inspiration? Like when you're sitting in your studio, you have a project and you have to come up with something, does it come rather quickly to you? Or what is your process, your creative flow to getting the music? Um, well, usually um, my first pass and working on a cue is going to be improvising on the keyboard while I'm watching the scene. Maybe I'll use a melody that I've written previously, you know, as a guide there. So I'll kind of improvise on that melody and try to fit that 
tonally into the scene that I'm watching. Um, and I'll keep keep running the scene back and improvising on it until I come up with something that feels inspired to me. Then I'll build up more of an arrangement around that melody. So I'll start adding in some additional you know, instrument parts and so forth. And then that'll build into a cue. But that doesn't always work. I mean, sometimes I'll just feel like, oh, I'm kind of just beating a dead horse here and I've got to do something else. Uh, so what I'll do is I'll go and listen to a score by somebody else. I'll go listen to a score um, for a film or a scene that I think is similar to the one that I'm trying to score. And and yeah, like we were talking about before, I'll, I'll make my best attempt to sound like that artist, uh-huh. uh, which will hit, which inevitably will always come out sounding original anyway. Yeah, I, I have no problem with going to other people's work when I think that what they have done is similar to the film or, or the genre and seeing, well, what can I get out of this? What elements can I take from this without completely misappropriating, you know, the cue that I'm listening to? How long do you typically work on a project? I mean, do you have like a week to get it done or, you know, and I, I get it if it were a short f- film versus a feature would be a yeah. lot longer, but what's a typical time frame to be working on a project? Short film, musical, and then uh, a feature? Well, often with these projects, it's kind of like this hurry up and wait dynamic. Yeah, the director will want something done as soon as possible, uh, but won't necessarily be a hundred percent clear on when that is. I mean, yeah, if it's a feature film, I'll probably be working for a month. If it's a short film, I would love to have a couple of weeks. Um, getting something done in a week, I mean, I could do a full score in a week. If it's a situation where I'm going to be getting a lot of notes from the director or producers or something like that, then I would prefer to have more than a week because that's going to involve some really late nights. As far as doing a draft of a score. That's, yeah, something I could do in one or two weeks for a short film. And for a feature film, I mean, if we're talking, you know, 30 to 45 cues of music, then yeah, that's that's going to take several weeks uh, to get a draft together. The initial draft that I send is usually going to be uh, made up of, well, whatever sort of live playing I can contribute and samples. Um, that's what, what's known as a mock-up is what I'm talking about, essentially. Uh, so it's not going to involve an orchestra. It's not going to involve a ton of, of live strings or something like that. Uh, and if the mock-up is approved by the director or, or portions of it are approved, then we can go into starting to record the live players. I mean, assuming there's the budget for that, because of course I've worked on projects where the budget is too low to have a lot of live players. Right. The only live player we can afford is me. Yeah. <laughs> but ideally, I mean, this is one of the most fun parts because I could get, you know, some, I could get some virtuoso cellist to uh, interpret the cello part that I've written for this in their own yeah. way. Um, and th- th- yeah, I'm always, I- I'm always blown away or at least surprised by what, uh, by what live players end up doing with my work. Oh my God. And then do you get to be a part of that? I mean, do you hire the live orchestra yeah. and then you're there composing it or does it go off to somebody else and then it comes back to you? Um, I'm, I'm always there. Uh, I mean, I've worked with a bunch of people like score contractors and so forth who put together the musicians who are going to play on the score. Um, but if it's a smaller independent project, then it may not be able to get a score contractor. So I'll pick the musicians from people I know, and then I'll pay them out of the budget that I've been given. So yeah, I mean, composers, I, yeah, in, in independent film, they we end up wearing a lot of hats. Right. Hans Zimmer or someone like that, he'll have orchestrator and the music editor and a bunch of other staff members and, and mixer, of course. Um, and sometimes we end up having to do all of those duties ourselves. But 
situations where the budget allows for multiple people to work on the project, um, that's, yeah, it, it, it's wonderful to have a team. How many renditions of the film do you typically have to go through? Anywhere, like, do you have a range? Um, usually when there are edits made to a cut that I get, um, they're made in a discrete part of the film. So it would be, it wouldn't be typical for a film to get totally revamped after I've watched a rough cut. Uh, usually there are a couple of scenes that are just kind of bugging the director or, or bugging whoever is calling the shots and, uh, they need revisions to those. So often it's not a matter of delivering a whole new cut of the score, but of, uh, making adjustments to specific cues again and again and again, <laughs> right. um, until the director becomes satisfied with how with how those cues are moving along. So you're pretty much getting more or closer to the final cut when it's coming to you at that point. So it's just like minor tweaks. And then it's also, um, does he like what you've provided him? And then he's giving you notes. You're just kind of maybe going back and tweaking the same stuff, just making it a little different. Is that what you're saying? Yeah. I mean, the the tweaks won't necessarily be minor. I mean, depending on the extent of the notes that I'm getting <laughs> I, in an ideal situation, uh, they will be. But uh, yeah, I mean, w when I get a cut that the director has actually approved, even if the director considers it to be rough, then usually um, I'm not going to have to deal with the situation where the entire thing is re-edited. And, and, and as far as their notes on my work, I mean, there have been a few occasions when I've basically needed to deliver a whole new score. That was really earlier on, I think, uh, in my career when I was working with directors who were not necessarily as experienced and, and I wasn't as experienced. Uh, so, uh, you know, as a result of the fact that we both weren't perhaps as good as, as we could be at communication, then uh, there ended up being a mismatch as far as what our expectations were. Right now, I try to approach it in a very sort of incremental way. Like, I, I, I get as much data as possible, so I'm going to get, you know, not just a verbal description of what the director wants, but, you know, as many of their own, as, as many actual audio files. I'm going to send one cue at a time and get and you know, sort of download all the data that I get from their feedback about that. And then, you know, hopefully we're going to avoid any situations where a ton of work needs to be redone or, or, or redone in a completely different style. Because, of course, there is always tweaks that you can make to a mix or, or something of that nature. Um, but it's better to have to do that than to have to rewrite the entire cue. Well, so when you started composing to now, did you find yourself, like maybe more earlier on, you get so excited with the project that you'd start to do all this work and, oh my God, this would be great here, da, 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 and then you have to come back and redo a lot of it? Um, there, there were a couple of films where, yeah, that, that, um, that may have happened, uh, where I, yeah, because I do get really enthusiastic and I do have a very clear direction that I want things to go in. Um, and if I feel like one cue works particularly well, maybe the director has, has told me, yeah, I really like this particular cue. Then I'll want to, then I'll think, oh, well now I know how to do the entire film. <laughs> um, but that may not necessarily be true uh, in the eyes of the director. So that's why it's important for me to, yeah, for me to work in this gradual sort of way. Uh, that's the way that we avoid, you know, as much redoing the work as we can. Right. Now, um, what do you feel are the biggest challenges for you as a composer? Uh, I think it's, well, the, there, there are a number of challenges that you think of. I mean, you're, you're always working on a strict deadline and you have to work within your budget and so forth. And the budget can be small. But the, uh, I think the biggest challenge is, is just 
communicating clearly about the director's vision. It could be particularly when I'm working with the director, as I always have, is not a musician themselves. And, and you know, I, I can be, I can certainly be kind of headstrong and stubborn about the way that I want the project to go. Um, as soon as I get a project, I develop a feeling of ownership around it. So I, you know, and I want to make sure that it's served as well as possible. And I don't want it to be about um, people's personalities or egos or something like that. Being able to to put that aside to some degree, um, that's that can be a challenge for me. And recognizing that I'm not, you know, the sole or where well, I'm not, I'm not really the leader of this project. And in fact, I'm sort of the head of a department uh, from the perspective of, a, of the director. Now, do you do the sound? I, you had mentioned that you wear multiple hats sometimes yep. on projects. Do you do the sound mixing? Um, to... I usually I usually don't do the sound re-recording mix. Uh, okay. there, I have done that on a couple of occasions um, for kind of friends projects. Um, often I feel like I would love to have control over that aspect of the film too. But then again, I don't want to do all this. I don't want to do Foley work. I don't want to do dialogue editing or dialogue replacement. I'd much rather spend my time making music. I mean, as important as, as important as those functions are, right? Uh, I would rather leave them to someone who really enjoys doing them. So yeah, as far as the hats that I wear, I mean, so there's, there's composing the music and then recording the music that intuitively you would think that's what I would be doing with the majority of my time, but also there's um, orchestration. So developing, if you're working in a sort of an orchestral format, um, figuring out what the orchestra is going to do, what each individual part of it is going to do. And um, that's often in you know these huge Hollywood, uh, you know, $100 million budget movies, there are multiple orchestrators who are working with a piece of music that's been provided to them by the composer and determining what every section of the, okay, this is what the woodwinds will do here, this is what the percussion will do here, and, and, and so forth. Um, and yeah, that's that's a big task. Also doing the mix. So yeah, for massive budget movies, again, there would be multiple people working in a studio on the mix. They're waiting there, ready to receive more cues from the composer, right? And right. their team. And to and to immediately mix them and then get them to the director. With low budget independent projects, that you know, the, the mixer is gonna be me. I like having control over those aspects of it, and I feel like doing that has improved my ability to mix. But Still, I mean, I, th there's a good reason why there are large teams that tend to work on feature films. Whenever I can get more team members, I always appreciate that. You know, with any position you have, you're always learning. Yeah. What are some of the things that you do to learn your craft? I'm always trying to learn new styles of music that I haven't done before. Recently, I've been playing more jazz, just uh, messing around on the, on the keyboard and drums. And there are inevitably, regardless of the style of music it is, you know, even if it were punk or something like that, uh, there will be elements of it that are valuable to the projects that you end up working on. I actually, well, I did play in some jazz ensembles as a kid, but I hadn't played it for a long time. In, in playing with Beethoven, that ended up being really influential as well, because I needed to write uh, jazz and, and, and gospel and other interpretations of Beethoven's work. I was kind of arranging Beethoven's work. Having tooled around with jazz piano, uh, that definitely helped me in working on projects like that. So you, you never really know um, what kind of benefits you're going to get from exploring styles of music that you may not have been involved with that much before, but, but they're probably going to be there. Is there any director you would love to work with or directors? 
Um, I would love to work with Aronofsky, the wrestler and, and Black Swan and so on. Those, those were a couple of my favorite films uh, of the years when they came out, just in terms of his ability to do a character study uh, and develop a character who I, I genuinely get you know emotionally invested in. Uh, Noah, Noah Baumbach as well. I may not be pronouncing his name right. Yeah, A Marriage Story was my favorite film from 2019. Yeah. And it, it could just be because I loved Randy Newman's work on that so much. And I, I think of Randy Newman as the guy who sings I Love L.A., but you know, he can also do film score. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's a situation where the score really does, again, help you to care about what's going on with the characters and express a dimension of the characters that uh, you may not be seeing on the surface on screen. So yeah, though, I mean, as far as recent inspirations. I haven't seen The Whale yet, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to to Aronofsky's latest. I've heard that the score to that is really impressive too. Well, why don't you tell us about the Electro Rocker campaign you just launched? Sure. Uh, the Electro Rocker, it's a semi-musical comedy. It's about an outcast high schooler who, because of a rare freak electrical accident, he finds a new friend who is this 80s style rocker uh, made of electricity, who follows him around singing inspiring songs, like to, to get him to take risks and so on, to get to get him to ask out, you know, the the girl that he's interested in, or, or audition for the band that he likes and so on. The electro rocker, this this being made of energy, he communicates only in song, uh, and that's the part of it that makes it a quasi musical. This is actually a movie that I am directing and that I've written the script for. Uh, I I had my directorial debut back in 2022, or actually, it's still 2022, believe it or yeah. not. In, in early 2022 is what I mean. And uh, yeah, I, I, I kind of got hooked on that. And if it's a, a film that is musical theatery in tone, then I feel like that's something that, you know, I, I'm particularly well suited to direct. So I'm going to do that. And I've written a bunch of songs for it. And uh, yeah, that's I, we're doing a crowdfunding campaign for it as well. That's a campaign that's on FreeFunder. You can actually see me if you go to that page singing a bunch of the songs from the electro rocker. Uh, I'm not going to play the electro rocker in the final version, but it's a huge blast to record in the style of music that really uh, influenced me when I was a really young kid. Uh, well, yeah, Journey or Europe or something like that. And, and it, it's a sort of a, a playful send up of that genre, I would say. So at this point, you're fundraising to start the film. Is that correct? Yeah. I mean, we're going to we're going to make the film no matter what. People want to help me to make it, and there have been some people who generously have contributed to that. Um, then, yeah, I, I certainly welcome that. When do you anticipate you're, you're going to start filming? Uh, that would be in in late January or early February, is what I'm thinking. Um, I, okay. just, I just talked to the AD who's going to be working with me, and she's super psyched about it. She worked on my, my directorial debut film. Uh, so, you know, if, if I have her, if I, I, I know that everything's going to go great on set. Oh, good. Um, have you already started casting? No, not yet. Although, well, actually, I did send out a couple of emails to, I mean, people I thought probably are not going to respond to me. But <laughs> <laughs> why not? But we'll, but we'll see. I know. I, I know. Why, why not take the risk? Because sending cold emails, uh, I mean, it can have a surprising benefits in, in, in ways that I really didn't. I would just, just in, because I've been involved in casting for some of these films that I've worked on, I was kind of surprised at the people who would actually want to see the script. I didn't think we'd have any interest in it at all. Yeah, I think there's nothing wrong with sending things out because you'd be pleasantly surprised that right. people uh, are looking for projects. Yeah. And would be happy to uh, be a part of something that you're doing. So, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah. yeah. 
Um, so what suggestions would you give to directors when they're hiring you? Or just in general, hiring a composer. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because normally I'm so geared toward trying to serve the needs of the director that I'm thinking, well, I guess I, <laughs> how would they get to help me? I don't know. It's not even possible. But um, yeah, I, I would say um, because directors tend to fall in love with the temp track, which is probably an expression that you've heard, right? They, yes. they'll, they'll have a temp track of music that's been put together by the editor for the purpose of making edits and just kind of determining the tempo of the scenes and where the cuts are going to occur and so forth. I, I would say being open to the possibility that you could take different approaches with the music that would actually make your film more unique uh, and more interesting to watch. Like I, I worked with someone who really wanted this Western standoff-like scene to sound like good, good, the bad, and the ugly, to sound like Ennio Morricone. Ennio Morricone is wonderful, right? But if you have a Western scene, then you kind of, you kind of expect it as an as an audience member, if you, particularly if you're sort of a film buff, to sound like Ennio Morricone. Uh, so if we try something that is unique and that has not been done in the Western genre, then maybe that could cause the film to stand out um, yes. from what you put in the temp track. Mm -hmm. I love that. Anything else that you would, uh, you know, and that's just communication, know what you want, you know, yeah. anything else that um, I, I, I just feel like sometimes we need to help other people out, other crew members out yeah. with what they don't know. And what to ask like is there anything that a director like should they come with some tracks of music of something that they want or how can oh, they really communicate to yeah, you i would love that i think there are some directors who may i mean particularly if they're less experienced they may think well i don't want to completely step on the the music guy's toes or, or music woman's toes um so i'm yeah i'm not going to be sending them youtube videos uh that demonstrate what I want it to sound like. But I would say I will absolutely feel free to do that because that's going to save both of us a lot of headache. Yeah. Uh, so feel free to, to be as specific as possible about what you want this to sound like. And any other tips you would give to upcoming music composers wanting to get into the business? Well, I would say, you know, if you have, I mean, like, like I've been, I'm very grateful to have had uh, the opportunity to be on set of a film. Um, which, you know, because composers tend to be isolated in their home studio, it's not always possible. But even if you had to do a non-composer role, like a lot of a lot of music people wouldn't necessarily think about this, but being a PA or something like that on a set, just to be able to experience what it's like and to be able to meet people. Because I think that's better than any kind of networking event where you just kind of go up to people like, so, hey, what, what do you do? Um, I think it, uh, because then you know that everyone is there for a particular purpose. You know what their roles are. Yeah, and, and there is a, a bond that develops between people who have been on film sets that doesn't always extend to post-production. Sometimes it, sometimes it seems like they, they they've almost been through sort of war together. They've almost been through combat together. And depending on how things got on the set, that that may be an accurate sort of metaphor. So so being on the set of a film, I think that's the best kind of networking that you can do. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. This was great. Sure, sure. Yes, I, I, I hope this was helpful. Thank you so much for listening. I encourage you to get out there and make a film. Reach out to your local filmmakers group to get involved and connect. Please subscribe to the show if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at Tammy Maguero. Until we meet again, what's your story? <laughs>